Father, we pray that none of us would be unchanged today, Lord, that you would do the work of you, that only your spirit can do and your word can do in our lives. We ask you to do that. Wherever any of us is, we pray you take us further and make us more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, there was a little boy, and he had a, a big family Bible on the coffee table in his uh, living room. And he kind of got curious one day. He decided he'd go and open it up, thinking maybe there's some interesting pictures to look at. Because he'd been taught the Bible by his parents growing up. And so he decided to look at the family Bible, and he picked it up, he opened it up, started leafing through it, and out fell a leaf that had been pressed between the pages of the Bible. And he says, Mom, look what I found. And his mom said, what do you got there, honey? He said, I think it's Adam's underwear. (laughs) Well, the Bible is full of surprises if you open it up. You know, uh, the truth is that you know, there really is, there's a surprise for most Christians to learn what I'm about to talk to you about today. Just think about this. If you could know just one thing, if you could know one thing, one truth, and apply it to your life, and this truth would make you happier, healthier, more financially secure, expand your ministry authority and responsibility, and greatly increase the quality of your forever, wouldn't you like to know that truth? What we're going to talk about today is actually that truth. There is one truth that if you do that, it'll do all that for you. And that truth is that if you become a more generous giver, God will do all those things. That's what the Bible teaches. God is very clear about that. In fact, it's kind of paradoxical, but it's true that the more you give, the more you get in every single way possible from God. It's important that we understand this truth because people generally do what makes sense to them. And so if it hasn't made sense to you to be a generous giver, then you won't do it. So my goal today is to show you how much sense this makes to do this. Actually, I've entitled this message, Giving, What's in it for you? Because we really, in the back of our minds, we really want to know what's in it for us. And the Bible actually tells us what it's, what's in it for us. And so I want to go through, there are five things that are in it for you. And they're packed with blessing. If you become a more generous giver, these five things God promises to give back to you. Number one, the first thing God promises if you become a more generous giver is to bless you financially. In fact, the best way to be financially secure is to be a generous giver to the Lord on a faithful basis. And one of the passages that many of you are familiar with, and some of you maybe are hearing it for the first time, maybe some of you heard it, but never done it, but is in Malachi chapter 3. It's the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to read starting in verse 7 through verse 12. Malachi 3, verse 7. Now, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi to the people of Israel. He says this, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Remember, this is God talking. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? God says, verse 8, Will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? 
God says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. That's so the priest could eat and they could do the work of the temple. So there might be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I, remember this is the Lord talking, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So now God tells the people in this passage, he tells them that, that they're robbing him. Those are his words. Now understand this, God doesn't need their money. And it's not, it's not even really about the money to God. There's a deeper issue. See, their lack of giving was communicating something much deeper to God. It was communicating to God that they don't value him. In fact, I want to tell you a story. There's a couple, this is a true story, a couple by the name of Mary and Jim, and they had a dog by the name of Lucky. And Lucky was quite an interesting dog. Lucky liked to take things that he valued, and he would take them down to the basement to a toy box. And so even when Mary and Jim had friends come over, if they set something down, and if Lucky liked it, Lucky would take it down to the basement and put it in his toy box as one of his treasures. So at the end of the evening, if their friends were missing something, they'd walk down to the basement, and sure enough, Lucky put it in his toy box because he treasured it, and they'd give it back to their friends. Well, this went on for many, many years, and then it turned out that that Mary had cancer, very serious cancer. She needed surgery. And so she went to the hospital, and the, the surgery was even more serious, and, her, and, and really the impact it had on her was even more serious. So she ended up staying in the hospital for two weeks. But Jim would take Lucky on his evening walk every evening. But Lucky would just kind of droop and whine, miserable, because he missed Mary so much, loved her so much. Well, finally, it got time to take Mary, bring Mary home from the hospital, and she was so weak she couldn't get upstairs to go to her, her bedroom. So Jim made a place on the couch for her and made her comfortable. And as soon as she laid on the couch, she called for Lucky to come, but Lucky wouldn't come. He just sat across the room and looked at her like he didn't understand. Well, soon, because of all Mary's been through, soon she fell asleep on the couch. And then after she slept a while, she woke up in a panic because she felt all this weight on her body. And then quickly the panic turned to laughter as she realized what had happened. What had happened is Lucky had gone down the basement time and time again until he had every one of his treasured things in his, his toy box and put it on top of Mary on her body. He was showering her with his treasure. He was showering, covering her with his love. Well, after that, Mary forgot about dying. Instead, she and Lucky began living again. And every evening they began to walk further and further and further. And now it's been 12 years and Mary is still cancer free. And Lucky, he still treasures, still steals those treasures and stacks them down in the basement. But Mary remains his greatest treasure. Well, see, the truth is our giving does show what we treasure. Our giving to God shows that we treasure him. Let's go back to the Malachi passage. Just briefly, I want to point a couple things out to you. I want you to notice that it's God who established the practice of tithing. It's not some pastor, some 
evangelists. It's God who established this practice. The word tithe simply means a tenth part or 10%. So the idea of this practice was simply this. God had instructed the people that they were to take a tenth of all the ways they were blessed every week and bring that tenth into their place of worship in order to show their gratefulness to him for all that he had supplied to them. But also, secondarily, in a very practical way, was to actually resource the temple ministry so all the work of the temple could be done and also the ministry out of the temple into the community could be done. That was God's plan. Now, for a long time, people actually carried out this plan, just like God had arranged it. And when he did, when, when they did, everybody won. Everybody won. The people themselves won because they walked under this open heaven and they were blessed by God financially in every other way. But also God won because he was honored and given thanks for his graciousness. The temple ministries won because they're adequately resourced and all the things that in that place of worship could be done. And the community won because the temple's able to bless the community because of the giving of the people of that particular community of faith. So everybody won. But then comes the days of Malachi when this standard of financial excellence had fallen and fallen hard. And in spite of being taught since they were little that they're supposed to honor God in their giving with their resources, one by one, men and women started to make unwise and dishonoring financial decisions. They began to hold back on their tithe because they figured they couldn't afford to do this. 10%, they can't afford to do that, so they didn't. And as a result of that, God cursed their finances. He cursed their crops. He put holes in their wallets and their purses, metaphorically, so that everything they seemed to earn just seemed to disappear. That's the picture. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but many, many years ago, before I started tithing, I experienced that. Every pay raise, every bonus, everything just came and went and disappeared. Where'd it go? Because I wasn't honoring God, and, and it was basically being cursed. So here's the point. The point is God is serious about our giving. I mean, no matter what the economy does, no matter what the government does with the tax-exempt status of churches in the future, or anything like that, God really takes seriously that we honor him in bringing tithes and offerings into his storehouse. And he does this. He promises if we do, he will bless us. That's the deal. He promises he will open up heaven over us and pour out blessings until they overflow. Now, every time I preach a message on this, I'll have someone come up to me and say, you know what? They'll come to me like the next week and say, right after you preach that, I've heard you preach that and I didn't do it, but I decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to test God and try it. And, and, Monday, and on, I, did it, I did it on Sunday and on Monday I got promoted. And I'm like, that's awesome. I heard those stories, but I also heard people say, I, I, I did that for months and months before I saw God come through, but God did come through. God will keep his promise. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, wait a second. You're saying, I mean, I can't make it with 100% of what I'm making, and you're telling me to try to do it with 90%? How does that work? That's why God says, test me in this and see. Because then you get God involved in your finances, and he will keep his promises and pour out blessings on you till they overflow. God will do it. Test him and see. He'll do it. So it is true. God will bless you financially if you faithfully give. That is the truth. You know, you can shovel all you want to God, and God's got a bigger shovel than you, and he shovels it back even more so. This is the truth taught many places in the Bible. In fact, I want to show you other, some other places. 
Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says, give, and it'll be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Listen to this now. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. By your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you in return. And I tell you, all you young people sitting right here in the front mill, this is a great time to start doing this. I mean, you can start right now getting blessed by God. You don't have to wait until you graduate from high school or college and got a full-time job. You can start now to be blessed by God. This is a truth taught in the Bible. But Apostle Paul teaches the same truth that Jesus just taught, but in a different way. Here's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now stop there because a lot of us have no idea of an agricultural setting and how a farmer in the first century worked. He has a seed bag over his shoulder. He reaches in, grabs a bunch of seed, and he sows it. He broadcasts it, throws it out. That's sowing. And then he reaps. He reaps the harvest, what grows up out of the ground. He reaps the benefit of those fruits and vegetables. So what he's saying here is he's talking about money, though. Now, I say this. He sows sparingly, so you give sparingly, little. You, then you reap sparingly. You reap little. He who sows bountifully, so you're very generous, then you reap bountifully. You get a great harvest back. That is the teaching of the Bible. Also, another verse, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce. By the way, people ask me sometimes, should I tithe on the gross or the net? They say, because tithing on the gross seems gross to me. Well, I tithe on the gross because of this verse right here. Honor the Lord from your wealth from the first of all your produce. Before the government gets their hand in there, then God gets his first out of the, so out of the first. So honor the Lord from your wealth from the first of all your produce. So your barns, listen to this, here's what God's going to do. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Another verse, Proverbs 22.9. He who is generous will be blessed. For he, will get, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs 19, 12. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. Think about that. So you're gracious to a poor man. By the way, when you get, even when you give this church, we care for the poor. You're gracious to a poor man. You're lending to the Lord. And listen to this. And he, the Lord, will repay him for his good deed. The Lord will owe no man, no woman, anything. And every time we give, we're lending to him and he pays back. All right, Proverbs 21, 13. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Whoa. Proverbs 28, 22. He who gives to the poor will never want. But he who shuts his eyes in regards to the poor will have many curses. So God promises blessing to those who give. But those who don't give, then they should expect from all these verses that their finances will be cursed. And nobody wants that. So really, we, we want to be a generous giver because we want to honor God. But also, God is going to bless us in return as we do this. By the way, the most sure way to be financially secure in the days to come is to be generous right now. The most, the most secure way for you to be financially secure in the future is to be generous right now. Okay, so God's going to bless you financially if you're generous. That's the first thing. Number two, second way God's going to bless you is physically with good health. Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3. How blessed is he who considers the helpless, 
The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. And he shall be called blessed upon the earth. And do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. Many generous men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, who have gotten sick, been on their sick beds, God has healed because of their generosity to the poor. God raised them up. Now, there are some times that God has decided to take some very godly people home without healing them. Sometimes God has a plan that's hard to understand, but somehow better. But that's an exception to the rule. The rule is that God will restore the giver from his sick bed. That's the rule. So again, the best health insurance, by the way, the best health insurance you can have is to be a generous giver. That is the best health insurance you can have. So here it is. So far, we got God will bless you financially if you're generous. God will bless you physically if you're generous, but he doesn't stop. There's another one. Number three, God will bless you emotionally with more happiness if you live a generous life. Acts 20, verse 35, is more blessed to give than to receive. The word, Greek word translated blessed there is also translated sometimes happy or happier. Happier is he who gives than he who receives. And we all know that's true. There's all been times that we have been, we've given and we just, happiness gets all over you when you give. You know, we, when the kids were growing up, we'd, we'd take them down, sometimes the whole family down to Mexico to the orphanages. Sometimes I would just take one of the kids or two of the kids to different orphanages, and I, I wanted them to really be involved with the poor and give. And, and, and it was just, it was always awesome, the joy they had. And then one Christmas, I didn't take them. And I don't remember why that they didn't go, but they got showered with all the generosity of our extended family uh, of gifts. And at the end of all the opening of the gifts, one of my kids came up to me and said, Daddy, how come I don't have that good Christmassy feeling this year? And it hit me because I didn't take you to give. All you did is receive this year. Proverbs 14, 21, happy is he who is gracious to the poor. So living a life of generosity makes you financially secure, it makes you healthier, it makes you happier. And now number four, God will also bless you with spiritual, more spiritual authority and spiritual responsibility right now if you're more generous. Here's what Jesus says. Let's look at this. Luke 16, verse 10 through 12. Jesus says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Listen to this now. Therefore, if you have, been, have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, he's talking about money, who will entrust the true riches to you? If you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So Jesus infers that his listeners have been entrusted with someone else's property, right? So they should prove themselves trustworthy with that property because it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to somebody else. They are managers. They're not owners. And that's just true for us, too. God owns everything. Those things we think we own, we don't own. God owns it all. We're simply managers. So everything you think you own, you simply manage. God owns it. So your house, your car, your golf clubs, whatever you want to think about, it's really God's. You're to manage it. And what God is doing right now is he's looking at how we are managing his stuff, all of us. 
How do we spend his money? Because it's his money. What he wants to know is this. He wants to know is if we can be counted on for something more important than that based on how we're doing with that. So if everything belongs to God, then the question is, are we spending his money to achieve his goals or is it just all on me? If we're not spending his money for his goals, that means that we cannot be trust, counted trustworthy with something more important. True riches is what he calls it. So the pathway to being entrusted with true riches, in part, is to properly be stewarding the natural resources that God is entrusting to us. Now, what are these true riches? Well, part of the true riches, obviously, will be at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll be, we'll be rewarded forever. We'll talk about more about that in a moment. But I believe the true riches that Christ is talking about are spiritual riches. What are spiritual riches? Spiritual riches are greater spiritual responsibility and spiritual authority right now in the kingdom of God. If I can't be entrusted with money, how is he going to trust me with spiritual power, spiritual authority? See, those are the true riches of the kingdom. The true riches of the kingdom are spiritual authority, greater spiritual authority, and greater spiritual responsibility in his kingdom. And how we handle money right now matters so much that it is a test of whether or not we can be trusted with something greater. And that's spiritual kingdom power. So now we got already, we got four. So if we become more generous and givers, by the way, all of us can become more generous. All of us. This message applies to everyone who's listening here in this room, here online. All of us can be more generous than we are right now. And as we do that, we become more financially secure. Heaven is open over us. We become happier. We become healthier. We have increased spiritual authority and responsibility. And not only that, there's a fifth one. Ready for this one? God promises if we become more generous, bring our tithes and offerings, become more generous just as we live life, he will bless us eternally. Four ways. Four ways in eternity. You ready for them? Number one, the first way he's going to bless us eternally is you're welcome into heaven. Have you ever thought about how you're going to be welcomed into heaven? Let's read what Jesus says. Luke 16, verse 1, he tells this parable. There was a certain rich man who had a steward and this steward was reported to him as squandering his possessions. So this man is just ripping off the owner. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. He's about to be fired. He's about to be fired. Not yet, but he knows it's coming. Verse 3, and the steward said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. Light bulb goes off. I know. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from the stewardship, they will receive me into their homes. He's got a strategy for after he's fired. Verse 5, and he summoned each of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? I'm still working there. I still got the ledger. How much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly, write 50. I want to go ahead, give it to you for 50 right now. You're good. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? I'm still working. I got the ledger. A hundred measures of wheat. He said, Quit, take your bill, write 80. I'm going to let you off for 80 right now. I got the authority right now to do it. Verse 8. And his master now 
finds out he did this. And here's what the master, the story says. And the master praised the unrighteous steward because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, listen to this, make friends for yourselves by means of mammon of unrighteousness, money, that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. So this story is about a certain steward. Now remember, the essence of the steward is he's managing someone else's stuff, money. Now, again, remember, that's what we are. We're stewards. We're, we're just managers, all of us. None of us own anything. We have, some of you have more to manage than others, but we're all just managers. Now, Jesus commends this dishonest steward for something. What is he commending him for? He's not commending him for his dishonesty. He commends him for his shrewdness. What was shrewd? What was shrewd is he was using present opportunities to prepare for future rewards. That's what he's commended for. He's using present opportunities to prepare for future rewards. Now, how do we do that today? When we invest in ministries or ministers who are reaching the lost, we can turn their debt to God into a debt of gratitude. Now, people, every, people in this world owe God a debt. They have a mountain of unforgiven sin before God. They cannot pay that debt. Now, we all sinned and we've all offended a holy God. But we can use our money, God's money, to help free people from that debt. How? By investing into ministries that share the gospel, both locally and internationally, so people can hear about Christ, have their sins forgiven, and have their debt removed of sin, and then they have a, a debt of gratitude to God, but they also have a debt of gratitude to whoever helped that happen, helped make that happen. So here's the point in Jesus' story. We ought to invest into ministries that are reaching lost people, because we're reducing their spiritual debts when they are forgiven, so that when our job is over and we die, there's going to be friends in heaven who are going to welcome us into eternal dwellings. People that are going to say things like, right when you walk into heaven, I, I was waiting for you to come. I heard you were about to come today. And I just want to thank you. I would not be here if it wasn't for you. You gave to a ministry that sent that, that missionary over to my country and shared the gospel. And I'm here now because of you and welcome in. Or, some, or someone meets you at the gate and says, I was, I was waiting for you because, because you helped finance the ministry of this church and Adventureland, a Sunday school teacher, led me to Christ, and I'm, I'm here because of you, and I just want to thank you. How would, how would it be worth to you to have someone, you know, meeting you at heaven's gates, not just one, maybe a crowd of people meeting you at heaven's gates saying, thank you for what you did, how you gave, welcome in. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, this is the guy, and you'd be introduced for all eternity. Here's the guy that, you know, financed the ministry that led me to Christ forever, for eternity. You're being remembered that way. You helped send that missionary. You helped, you know, send that advantage. You helped resource that ministry of the church that reached out. You, know, you helped, you know, support the cornerstone, and you came to Christ in college, and you're forever grateful for those things. 
See, this is the kind of thing that can happen when you arrive into heaven. You know, I heard a story one time of a missionary couple. They, they had landed, they'd been, you know, decades in the field, and they didn't, they didn't take furlough, and they stayed there, and they're finally coming home. And as they land, there is a giant, you know, group of people with a band playing and banners, welcome home and celebrating. And they looked out the window and thought, I wonder if that's for us. Sure enough, it wasn't for them. There's a politician on the plane ahead of them, and it was for him as he got off the plane. As they're getting off the plane, the wife says to her husband, that would have been nice if that was for us. And her husband said, it will be one day, but we're not home yet. See, not everyone is welcomed into heaven the same way. I mean, don't you want a great welcome into heaven? See, we invest in ministries and the lives of people, you know, that, that share the gospel here and abroad so we can actually see more people come to Christ and there's going to be a greater and greater welcome in heaven because you had something to do with that in your giving. So that's the first way God eternally blesses you is your, your welcome into heaven. There's number two, and that is your house in heaven. John 14, 2. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so... I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Have you ever thought about this? That the one who's going to prepare a house for you is the one who knows everything about you and knows what you like? I mean, you ever just kind of see this beautiful house and go, oh, I'd love to have that house. I'd love to have that place on the beach or that place in the mountains or a chateau. I mean, he, you know, Jesus knows exactly what you like, and he's gone to prepare a place for you. But Jesus also teaches that, that you know, that there's, is, there's treasure in heaven. I believe part of the treasure is the kind of place that he's building for you based on your generosity with your time, energy, and money right now. And I don't know what you can imagine, but here's what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. It says, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of a man. You can't even imagine all that God has prepared for those who love him. So I don't know what kind of house you want in heaven, but I want the best house possible. And so, and so he's gone to prepare a place, and whatever, as we, as we really are generous, then we're storing treasure in heaven. And I believe that part of that is the house you live in. But let me, let me develop this treasure in heaven idea a little bit more. A third eternal blessing. Jesus teaches there's going to be, there's going to be treasures given in heaven. And by the way, not everyone has the same treasure. This is one of the things that causes so many Christians to be so unmotivated in their Christian life, is they think heaven's going to be the same for everyone, and that's not true. That is not biblical. Getting into heaven is the same for everyone. It's repentance and faith in Christ. But heaven, our experience in heaven will not be the same for everyone. It has everything to do right now with how much we are faithfully walking with the Lord, giving of our time, our energy, our money to serve him. Then when we do that, we're storing treasures in heaven, Jesus says. Here's what he says in Matthew 19, verse 21. Jesus tells a rich young ruler, this wealthy young man, he says, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So Jesus is teaching this truth that there is such a thing as treasure in heaven for us as we give. This young man in this story, Matthew 19, was so concerned about his treasure on earth that he declined Jesus' invitation to follow him. And therefore, he does not have treasure in heaven. Jesus goes on to look at another passage, Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus doesn't reveal, again, he doesn't reveal what treasure in heaven is going to be like. He doesn't tell us what it's going to be like. He doesn't tell us how it works. He just lets us know we'll be glad we have it when we get there. He's very clear about that. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, we won't look at it right now. Jesus called this man who did not lay up treasures in heaven for himself, Jesus calls that man a fool. How could somebody know that it's possible right now to lay up treasures in heaven that you'll have forever and not do it? Jesus calls that person a fool. Now, some of you might be thinking, uh, why, would, why would I care about treasure in heaven? I hear people say, I, I, just, I, just, you know, I just want in. What do I care about treasure in heaven? Again, we don't really know for sure how it works, but Jesus is making dramatic statements about how important it is and how, much we're, how glad we're going to be we have it when we get there. So every time we're generous and we give, we're laying up treasures in heaven. Think about that. Every time. All right? A fourth one, and that is our job in heaven. The more generous we are, but the more the fourth way God's going to bless us eternally is our job in heaven. In heaven, more we have more opportunity to do God's will through loving and serving him, and it's a great reward. Here's what Jesus says in Luke 19. He says, you are faithful with these 10 things that I entrusted to you. Now you rule over 10 cities. He says in Matthew 25, you are faithful with these few things I entrusted. Now you're over, you know, many things in the kingdom to come. You know, so we serve faithfully here. We, that includes how you manage your money, your time your energy, if we manage that well, then we are entrusted with an assignment in the kingdom to come of great responsibility that is going to be a reward to have it. Think about this. People spend all kinds of time, money, and energy on getting prepared for a job on earth right now. Think about college student loans. You know, you're doing all this. So you can have a job for 30 years. Or 40 years, you spend all that money. You go to college. Sometimes you get your master's, your PhD, or you go through trade school. You go all this, spend all this time, money for a job you're going to have for 30 years or 40 years. We're talking about the job you're going to have forever. And most Christians spend hardly any time, money, or energy on that job, for, you know, preparing for that job. And so it's so important that we understand if the more generous we are, the more we're going to be rewarded forever. That includes, I mean, if he can't trust me to handle the money that he's entrusted to me, how can he, you know, you know trust me with that job in the kingdom to come? And so it really does matter that we're faithful right now to be more and more generous. So let me summarize it for you. We're getting incentive after incentive from God to be generous. I mean, he says, if we'll do that, if we'll be generous, we'll be financially secure. We walk under an open heaven. He pours out blessing till it overflows. We'll be healthier. He raises the generous man or woman off her sickbed. We'll be happier. We'll, he'll increase our spiritual responsibility and authority right now. And he's going to bless us forever. Our welcome into heaven, our home in heaven, our treasures in heaven, our job in heaven. All because we were more generous right now. Now, based on all that, Knowing all that is true, how could you not become a generous giver? How could you hear all that and say, well, I'm still not tithing. I'm still not going to do it. I don't care. 
How could that possibly be true? Unless it was just unbelief. Unless you just not, did not believe that the word of God is true. Or you say, unless you're just so covered over in debt, you can't, but you'd love to. That's why the next small group that we'd like to invite, I'd like to invite every small group to take the next three weeks to do this series right here. Go ahead and put the slide up there if you would. And that is a series, Life, Money, and Hope. You can do it at no charge. You can lead it. You can have your group meet Jonathan back here in Connection Coffee. He'll give you all you need to have to do this for three weeks. If you're not in a small group, you can form one. Do this for three weeks. And then starting in January, we're doing our nine-week series, Financial Peace uh, University, where Dave and Marcy Wheatgraff lead it. We have seen tens of thousands of debt retired time and time again from that class. And so it will change your life. I urge you to, to really get, get your finances in order so you can live the generous life. What for? So you can be blessed now and forever. More and more. We want you to be blessed. All right, so in summary, I need five volunteers. I'm going to get five white shirts up here. Five white shirts real quick. Come up here, guys. Five white shirts. Five that are still awake. Come up here real quick. All right. I just need five. Just not too many. Five. All right. Okay, five. Come on, come on. Quick, 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 quick. All right. Okay. Now we're going to do this. Let's see. You'll be the first one. You stand right here. And you're going to, rep you're going to represent a person who is financially blessed. Here's a $100 bill. You just hold it up high. Okay, financially. Okay, you're going to be now, you're going to represent the person who is, who is healthier because they gave. Now, do this right here. Okay, keep it. All right. Come over here. Okay, you're going to represent the person who is happier. So laugh hysterically. That's all you got? You got to keep going, keep going. Wait, we had the wrong person here. Who can do this? Right? All right, come. All right. Laugh hysterically. Have some. Okay. Okay, now this is a person that has more spiritual authority casting out demons like Joe Taylor. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Okay, here we go. Here's a person who is now blessed eternally. Just raise your hands and you're just enjoying all this. Okay, so here it is. So if we really are more generous givers, we'll be more financially secure, walk under an open heaven. We'll be healthier, lifted off our sickbed. We're going to be happier. Okay, we're going to have more spiritual authority. And we're going to be blessed forever and eternity. Hallelujah. All right, you guys can go ahead and sit down. She gave it back, too. Let's all stand for prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your generosity. You, you've withheld nothing from us. And we thank you. We thank you for your kindness to enable us to be able to, to walk in all of these ways of blessing by simply becoming more generous people, obeying you in tithes and offerings, but also just living a generous life in every way. Lord, I pray that that truth would just capture our hearts, that none of us could just fall back into just self-centered living and rationalizations and justifying our stinginess and walking in fear about the future, but we could really become generous people. I pray for those who are in debt, Lord, that you would enable them to be in these groups and, and really be set free, that they can live the life they really want to live. And I pray as a church, Lord, you take us further in generosity here and around the world, that we can see more and more people's debt of, un, of unforgiveness taken away so they could so, of so they, they could be forgiven, and then they can forever be able to serve you, Lord. So, Lord, this week, would you just now enable us to walk in the light of Christ and be shattered of the darkest people everywhere we go. We pray in his name.
Amen. Now, the Connection Coffee in this corner, if you'd like to talk to our staff. Welcome, Center. If this is your first time, I'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, we'll have some leaders down here. God bless you guys. Have a great week.